0: Folks, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to chapter 12 of Romans. We're going to look at the one verse, one verse today, because to be honest with you, it's a powerful verse. We've got to spend a lot of time here because this verse and the next verse, we'll look at the next verse next week, are going to be verses that are going to guide us through the rest of the book. They're verses that you need to really seriously consider for your life today. Now, why am I saying that? Well, remember what we've been doing with our series. We're going through Romans right now, trying to understand our faith. Because if you remember, I told you, That a lot of people don't really know what they believe. Oh, well, I prayed that prayer. I'm okay. But if you ask them about Christianity, and to be honest with you, in our society today, people have questions about Christianity. They read different things online, and they'll ask you, well, what about this? Or what about when I read this on the Internet? And people don't have any answers. They don't know what they believe. And so that's been our whole purpose is to understand what we believe. And remember, let's kind of go through it Chapter 1, halfway through chapter 3, the reality is that the world is condemned. Everyone is condemned. We're all going to hell. But then you get into chapters 3 through chapter 4, even chapter 5, and you realize that our acceptance with God isn't based upon you. It's not based upon what you do. You can't do enough. Your acceptance with God has been based upon one person only, Jesus Christ. He did it all for you. On the cross, he died for you. And with that, you were accepted. You were reconciled with him. We then get into chapters 6 through 8, and he kind of talks about the reality that the power of sin has been broken in our lives, and the reality that we have the Spirit living within us, and then we get to chapters 9 through 11 and we see that ultimately God's got a bigger plan. And that included our salvation. So now what do we do with that? Okay, so what do we do with that? Because that's part of the issue. Because I, I find a lot of people, they say, well, I, you know, I prayed that prayer. I'm okay. I could just go do whatever I want to do. No, you can't. You can't do whatever you want to do. There needs to be a response. All of the grace that he's shown to you requires you to make a decision. You're the one that's got to decide what to do with all of that. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're the one that has to decide now with the reality that, okay, I was headed to hell, but he saved me. It wasn't about me. It's what he did. And now I'm reconciled with him. The power of sin has been broken in my life. And yet, yeah, while I still wrestle, there's no condemnation. The Spirit lives within me. Now you've got to decide, what am I going to do with that? And that's what we're going to focus on today. And that's what he's going to get into here in the first verse. So I want you to look in your Bibles. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your Spiritual worship. Alright, so what we're going to do is we're going to take this verse and we're going to divide it into three sections. We're going to see a basis for the call. He's going to make a call here, but you've got to understand why he's going to call you to do something. We're going to see a decision that you and I have to make. We say, I've already made that decision. I'm saved. No, no, no. It's what you're going to do now that you are saved. You've got to make a decision. You and I have to make that de- I can't make that decision for you. Just like I couldn't make the decision for your salvation, you had to make that decision. This is the decision about what you're going to do with the rest of your life. Okay, you want me to be a missionary. No, I'm not talking about being a missionary. I'm talking about who you're living for. Okay? Who you're living for. So we've got to see a decision here. And then we're going to see God's assessment of how you decide. We're going to see what God says about what you're going to do, okay? So let's take a look at all of this from verse 1. So there's like eight things I want to point out here. You got eight things out of this one verse? Yeah, I got eight things, okay? Here they are. Let's talk about it. First of all, the basis for the call. First part of verse 1, he says this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. New King James, I urge you. And we understand urging. Appealing sounds and that's kind of weak. Urge. I urge you. Like I'm, I'm pressing you. I'm trying to grab a hold of you. I'm trying to get you to understand Paul's saying. I'm urging you. Okay? Here's what he He's urging you to make a decision to take action. He's wanting you to understand that what we're about to talk about is important. Okay? This isn't a decision about whether or not you want to have ketchup with your burger or not. This is not that kind of decision. This is about something more serious, more important than you realize for your life. It's about your life. So pay attention to me, okay? Pay attention to me is what Paul's saying. I want you, I'm appealing to you, therefore. Now, it says brothers here. You're saying, well, uh, it's for the dudes here. No, 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 it's for the gals also. I have a footnote in my Bible that says brothers and sisters, okay? So it's for all of us, male and female, all right? He's, He's wanting you and I to pay attention. Now, what is it? The basis for the decision is the grace that Jesus shows you in salvation. Look at what he says. By the mercies of God. That's the phrase. I'm wanting you to make a decision because of the mercies of God. What mercies? All right, let's go back. Think about it again. All right, so let me ask you a couple questions. First of all, your salvation, did it have anything to do with you? Only one person responded. Well, I I thought it responded. Let the coffee flow in, okay? I'm going to ask you again. Did it have anything to do with you? No. Your salvation, who did it have to do with? Jesus. Is that mercy? Yeah. Salvation is completely by God's mercy. Has nothing to do with you. Nobody's keeping a track record. Nobody has, has a file. I remember in the military, they had a file. It's probably somewhere in St. Louis and some archive somewhere now, okay? And it was my, my file of everything that happened in my military career, okay? Whether I got in trouble or whether, and I didn't get that much in trouble, but whether I, you know, whatever, all the, it's a record of everything. And, and so you think about that. We have this concept that God's keeping this ultimate record of your good stuff and your bad stuff. He doesn't. Not for you and I. Why? Because it's been wiped clean. Because of who? You? No. Because of Jesus. Isn't that mercy? The fact that he would accept you and say, you now are my child and you belong to me and I'm there for you in fact you got a problem you come to me you come to me I was reading a quote from a from a guy who is now dead Tim Keller Tim Keller was a pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City well-known scholar well-known pastor he recently died of cancer but he he made this quote about thinking about a child who gets up in the middle of the night asking his parent for water. And he said, The parent is a king. What would happen to that child? He would get his water, right? Why? Because that's the king's child. He said, You have that access. You got a problem? You can go to him and tell him, I got a problem. You have that kind of access. Why? Mercy because of what Jesus did for you? The basis for the decision that needs to be made is that Jesus shows you and I what? Grace in salvation. That's the basis. So he's, he's wanting you to pay attention. This is important. You've got a decision to make. So what's the decision? That's the next part here. Look with me. He tells you, and again, we're going to pull out Some things here that I want you to see. The decision. Look with me. I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Now here's the things I want you to see here. There are three things I want you to see here. Okay, so first of all, because of the grace shown to you, you're to give yourself to God. You're to give yourself to God. Now, can I tell you something? The language here doesn't mean this is optional. You're to give yourself to God. I thought you said we weren't going to be talking about me becoming a missionary, George. It isn't talking about you becoming a missionary. It's talking about who you're living your life for right now, wherever you live, whether you're retired whether you work in a factory, whether you work on, out in the field and doing whatever, whether you are, you know, uh, a homemaker or whatever or, or disabled or whatever, it's not talking about who you're working for or what you're doing. It's talking about who you're doing it for you got a decision to make about who you're living your life for because the reason why you now have life because you understand you have life because of what? The mercies that have been shown to you. It's about your focus and why you do things. Because of grace shown to be you, you're to give yourself to God. You're to give yourself to him. I was trying to think of a of a way to illustrate it so that we understand what that meant. And, and you know, and so in, in our family, in our clan, we have a wedding that's coming up with one of our one of our nephews, and uh, he's gonna get married here in a couple of weeks. And so when somebody gets married, you talk about weddings, right? And you talk about your wedding, and you talk and you start thinking about weddings, and you start thinking about your whole focus and stuff and you think about dating and all of that and and and, and I can remember you know especially when you're fresh into newlywed and everything uh, when you haven't tainted yourself by life you you begin to think in terms of like who you would live for and and when you talk about that special someone you 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 give yourself for them right? You do whatever for them. Why? Because they love you. You love them. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? It's, it's a natural response. If you think about a, a, a wedding relationship, if you think about a marriage, you would give yourself for them, whatever. You, you say, well, I, I'm, you know, I'm marriage, whatever. Or think about kids. Think about you having kids. I meet mean, a lot of parents that would give themselves for their children, right? Because in response, And I thought, yeah, this is the perfect illustration. He's he's asking us, because of the love and the acceptance and the relationship that we now have that had nothing to do with whether or not we did the right thing or not, or who we were, or what because of what Jesus did for us, the, the immediate response because of that grace shown to you and I, you're to give yourself to him. And it has got it's not like, oh, well, I know I need to do this, so here I am, Jesus. No, no, it, it's got to be a natural love response. Did you understand what I'm saying? If you've got to be forced into it, there's a problem. Did you understand what I'm saying? Just like in a relationship, if you've got to be forced to be there for your kids or be there for your spouse— There's a problem then. But the reality is, it's got to flow out of you naturally because of the love shown to God. Here's the decision you got to make you got to give yourself to Him. Do you understand? You got to sacrifice yourself to Him. He says, Oh, I don't like that word, George. Well, here's it giving yourself to God is to be a sacrifice on your part. Everybody understands what a sacrifice is, right? It's giving up something knowing that you're not going to get it back. And it's got to be that on your part. And this isn't the first time that he's done that. This isn't the first time in this letter that he's said that to you and I. Think about what Romans chapter 6 verse 13 says. Here's what he says in Romans 6 13. Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who've been brought Bought, who've been brought from death to life and your members as instruments of righteousness. He's saying, present yourself to do what's right. He's told us this before. It's about giving yourself as a sacrifice to God. Here I am, God. You did that for me. You died for me to give me eternal life. I'm here. I'm yours. Whatever that means. Now, when I say that, whatever that means, that sometimes scares people. You don't need to be scared by that. You don't need to be scared by that. Because whatever he has for you, it's good. Does that mean life's going to be perfect? No, I didn't say that. But it's good for you because he takes delight in your life. Here's the third thing I want you to see here, okay? Okay? This sacrifice is not a one-time event. It's an ongoing action on your part. It's not a one-time event. Notice how he describes the sacrifice. He says a living sacrifice. Now, if you understand sacrifices, Paul would, he would in the Old Testament system. They, at that time, the temple was still in existence. The Jews would go there, and they would sacrifice either doves or sacrifice sheep lambs or oxen or something when you brought an animal to sacrifice what would happen they would kill it ritually and it would be dead that would be the end of that animal why it would be consumed with fire and there would be nothing left there's no way it's just a one-time sacrifice but he's saying to you don't go and kill yourself for me he's saying present yourself a what a living sacrifice so it's an ongoing thing it's not just a one-time event It's an everyday event. It's an every moment event of you giving yourself to God and saying, I'm living for you, Lord. I belong to you. I am your child. I am going to do what I need to do. I'm yours. Do you understand? This isn't, this isn't just you go do your own thing. And sometimes we have that concept. Wow, I'm glad that hell thing is taken care of. Now I can just go do whatever I want to do. No, 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 that is not in the scripture. That is not why he saved you, is to give you a get out of jail free card. If you play Monopoly, okay? Life's not a Monopoly game. It is so that you, what? Give yourself to him. Because of the love and the sacrifice he made for you. Now, if you do that, I think it's, you and I need to see this. You say, well, if I make that decision, how's God going to view it? Well, the verse tells us. How does God see it? If I say, okay, Lord, here I am. It is me. I'm giving you me. What does he say? Look with me what he says here. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living sacrifice. Here it is. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. New King James says, which is your reasonable service. Here's what it is, okay? Okay. Again, three things I want you to see here. First of all, God sees your sacrifice as acceptable and pleasing to him. Do you know what makes God happy? It's not how much you put in an offering. You want to know what makes God happy? It's not how often you come through the door here. And by the way, I'm not giving you an excuse of not coming here. We want you here because we want to interact with you. We want you to grow as you we grow together. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. But I'm going to tell you something. That's not what makes God happy. It's not how many books of the Bible you read in a year, whether you read through the Bible 5 times that year. That would be pretty hard, but that would be interesting if you could do that. That's not going to make him happy. You know what makes him happy? Here I am, Lord. I'm yours. My life is yours. And how he sees it is that is acceptable to him. And not just acceptable, that word can also be true. It is pleasing to him. It means something to him. to say, "I'm yours." That's the first thing. Here's the second thing. Oh by the way, let me stop. Let me get back up here, okay? Because we are tainted. Let me just say that, okay? I've got to make this point. We're tainted. What do you mean we're tainted? We're tainted by our culture and the way our families operate, the way that we associate with each other as human beings. And so because we're tainted, we have viewpoints of ourselves that are pretty messed up. Because we base our viewpoints of ourselves based upon how others see us, and we base it upon how we see ourselves. We base it on our failures and what we didn't achieve, and we think that somehow that God sees us the same way. And so when we come before the Lord, we're like, oh yeah, I don't know if you want to really want to deal with me because you don't know what I've done, Lord. I'm trying to tell you it had nothing to do with you in the first place. First of all, in salvation, the second part I need you to grasp is this. When he says to you, you giving of yourself, warts and all. What do you mean warts? I don't have any warts. Okay, sins and all. That's acceptable to him. That's pleasing to him. That's acceptable. So that's the point. Before we get to the second part here, I want you to understand you are acceptable to Him no matter what your past is or your ongoing struggles. Here's the second part I want you to see, okay? That you are holy, okay, and acceptable to God. Here's the second part. God sees your sacrifice as holy in that it is dedicated or set apart for him. Holiness here is not talking about how you're living your life. Sometimes we think of holiness as a how perfect I am. This isn't what it, it's talking about here. It's talking about that when you present yourself to him, you are dedicating your life to him. It becomes holy. Your life becomes holy, warts and all. You become holy. You don't have to worry about when you go to him. You know, when 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 an animal was brought to the temple to be to be sacrificed, it would be inspected by the priest to make sure that it was what perfect and and so forth. And if it wasn't, it was rejected. Get it out of here. That's got a black spot on it, or that's got some kind of deformity. Get it out of here. I'm telling you, when you present yourself, you are acceptable to him, and you are dedicated to him. You are set apart to him. You're holy. In fact, that's what saints mean. Saints means holy ones. We're the saints, right? We're holy ones, dedicated, set apart to him. That's how he sees it. He sees you as set apart to him. Isn't that awesome? You're not just accepted and pleasing to him. You are holy. You are set apart to him. He says, that's my special one. You're holy. And then there's a third thing that he points out here. And again, the ESV says, which is your spiritual worship, the New King James, the old King James says, which is your reasonable service. Here's what I want you to see. What's coming out here? God sees your sacrifice as your reasonable response to his grace and mercy. only makes sense to him. You know what I'm saying? It only makes sense to him that you were going to do that because that's the proper response. When you have somebody who totally accepts you, who totally wipes away the stuff in your life, past, present, and future, who has reconciled, who has adopted you as a son or a daughter, it only makes sense that he would see your action as worship or service he would see it as reasonable. It's the right response. That's how he sees it. He's not sitting there saying, oh, 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 George, yeah, I, yeah, like he finally clued in and he did what he was supposed to do. Yep, yep. No, no, it's like, yes, George, you responded. That's awesome. You did what's Right. It's reasonable that you would respond to my grace that way. Is that not awesome? This is what it's about. It's about giving yourself. Giving yourself to him. See, this is the decision that has to be made. So where are we going with this, George? Well, as we close our time here, let me me just bring it down to this. I want you to remember a few things that we've already looked at here, okay? So number one, first part of Romans, I was headed to hell but number two he saved me not because of me but because of him and number three now I'm yours I give myself to him that's where we're at see I'm going to be honest with you when we look at verse 1 and next week we're going to take it one step further get into verse 2 if you don't grasp that first part that you belong to him and you're giving yourself to him and then number 2 how you're going to decide how you're going to live your life verse 2 the rest of chapter 12 get into chapter 13 where he talks about how you need to be about the government get into 14 and 15 about how we're to interact with each other and get into none of that's going to make any sense None of it's going to mean anything unless you get to the place where where you say, I'm yours, Lord. You showed me mercy and grace. I'm yours. And because of that, I'm I'm making out of that decision. I'm going to do something different with the way that I live my life. And then he tells you how to live your life. Until you grasp that, until you make that decision in your life, It's all going to be meaningless. So it's something for you to think about. Let me pray for you.